Bergeron fires one rebound in front. Big stop by Quick. Rebound comes down and it's cleared but not out. Quick, big test down in front. Jonathan Quick plays it around the wall and it gets intercepted. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. However, the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. This is it, Kings fans. This is the first episode of the 2016-2017 NHL season. Last season, we brought you over 100 episodes of All the Kings Men, and this season, we are planning on increasing that number. So, subscribe to the podcast now. You knew I was going to make that pitch, right? Subscribe to the podcast, rate and review us, follow us on social media, Kings Men Podcast across all platforms, that's one word, like our Facebook page, get on board now, there is a lot planned for this coming season and you are not going to want to miss it. In this episode, we are previewing the 2016 World Cup of Hockey, which begins tomorrow. You guys, it starts tomorrow, it's here. Rookie camp opens today, uh, World Cup is tomorrow, we're a week away from the Kings versus Kings game out in Ontario, which you should all go to. That kicks off the Kings preseason games. Then, before you know it, we're all out to Las Vegas for Frozen Fury. And then it's time for the regular season to start, you guys. It's uh, hockey season's here. We made it. Long, boring offseason is finally over. Hockey's here, and it starts with the World Cup. So let's get into it. Joining me now from NHL.com, Tom Gulitti. How are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing fine. How are you? I am excellent. Uh, media day for the World Cup of Hockey is wrapped up. Was there any uh, anything unexpected occurred today during the uh, throngs of media? No, nothing. Nothing unexpected. Um, you know, Team Russia announced that Sergei Bobrovsky will be its starting goaltender. Uh, Team Czech Republic hasn't named one yet. They're going to wait till probably tomorrow. Um, nothing. Nothing really surprising. I think the teams have been practicing. Teams have been practicing since the start of last week. So I think they're. They're ready to get uh, going on some real games now that they're after playing three P tournament games each. Let's talk about Team Russia for a second. I read some comments from Alexander Ovechkin, and obviously he's uh, a polarizing character. You know, polarizing maybe is too strong a word, but people pay more attention to the things he says, so I may be reading too much into this. But he made some comments about the tournament and it being three North American teams, you know, and then he rattled off the rest. Do you get the sense that Team Russia views this tournament a little bit side-eyed because it is run by the NHL and so many of them um, have issues with whether it's KHL availability or the looming uh, South Korean Olympic Games? Or do you get the sense that for them it's just another tournament? I don't I don't think they're like looking at it sideways. I think they, they view it as, you know, an important chance for them. I mean, they, they say they've forgotten, you know, that Sochi was a, you know, that's that's behind them, but it was a big disappointment. And they'd like to, you know, they, this is a chance for them. Though it's not quite the Olympics, and Alex Ovechkin said that today, it's not the Olympics as a compare, but but it's a chance for them to, to, you know, to kind of play against the best, the best teams or some of the best players in the world, and and maybe kind of get a little get a little redemption for themselves after they lost in the in the quarterfinals in Sochi. Bobrovsky's had a, a bit of an up and down career as far as expectations of him. How well do you expect him to play in this short tournament? Um, well, he's going to be big for them. I mean, he played very well uh, in the game last night against Team Russia, the pre-tournament game, and made 45 saves. So he he has a relationship with the coach from Team Russia, Oleg Zarnok, um, 
and uh, from playing in the world championship with him. So it seemed like he was going to be the number one from the start, unless something happened to change that. And, and after he played so well last night, I think it was, it was an easy uh, decision for the coach to go with him. And, it, you know, he has to be consistent. I mean, he hasn't, he hasn't done that over the last couple of years in the NHL, but for in this tournament in particular, because you look at team rush's defense, it's not the, not the best defense in the tournament. And they they don't have the big names on defense that so they have a, that team rush had. They have a ton of big names at forward, but not not on defense. So they're going to rely heavily on whoever is in net. And I would imagine that you know we're going to see Wawrowski uh, the majority of the games uh, for them. Everybody knows the big names on Russia, whether it's Datsuk or uh, Malkin or Ovechkin. Who are some guys that maybe North American fans haven't heard of to to watch for during this tournament on Team Russia? Well, you know. We know about uh, Artemi Panarin because he won mm-hmm. the Calder Trophy last year in Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm sorry, with Chicago, and his two former KHL line mates. Uh, he's been playing with them. That's uh, that's Vadim Shipachev and uh, Evgeny Dadanov. And those two guys, they played. Those three guys played together in uh, St. Petersburg KHL with SK St. Petersburg, and they played very well as a line for that team when they won the championship two years ago. And they've looked pretty good together since the training camp. They, uh, they teamed for a goal uh, last night's game against Canada. They, they have some pretty good chemistry. So those, I think you get a look, look at that line. People might be surprised and say, Oh, why isn't Panarin playing with uh, an Isimov, a Chicago te- uh, teammate, but that's because he has such good chemistry with Dadanoff and, and Shipachev. Uh, you mentioned that t- team Czech Republic hasn't named a starter yet. I'm looking at their goalies. Um, it seems to me that Mrazek would be the favorite. Am I am I wrong there? That might have been the case going into the, the pre-tournament games, but uh, Neuwirth has played very well, Michael Neuwirth, and he played. I think he stopped forty-five of forty-six shots in the game and a half that he played. So it looks like he, that it could, it's going to be uh, Neuwirth right now, but they haven't committed to any, committed to anything yet. And uh, is Pavlik just not? I mean, is he just there? In case somebody gets hurt, he basically from the first day of camp, they announced he would. Be, they told him he would be the third goalie, and he's, he didn't even get to. He didn't even get to play in any of the pre-tournament games. So yeah, it's pretty clear he's the number three, unless you know, unless something happens or someone gets hurt. Now the Czech Republic team, obviously not as familiar. I should say there aren't as many familiar names on that roster, but there's still guys like Pro League that players uh, that fans might be familiar with. But who should we watch out for on Team Czech Republic? Thomas Pekanek, he's the captain of the team uh, from the Montreal Canadiens. You have, uh, well, David Krejci got hurt also, so he's out, and so is Thomas Rubo from the Sharks. They're both out with injuries. So you have, you know, like you mentioned, Frolik, Alez Hemsky, um, you know, Milan Mahalik, uh, Benek Mahalik, uh, Martin Hansel from the Coyotes. So they have, they have, their whole team is basically uh, NHL players or guys who used to play in the NHL. So, um, you know, we're going to see Vladimir Zabotka back. Um, he's been playing in the KHL the last few years and he's supposed to come back to play for the Blues this year, and he's he's on this team. So they have, you know, a legitimate lineup of NHL players. The question is whether they can, you know, match up with, you know, some of the some of the really good teams here. You know, they play Canada in their first game on Saturday night, and that's going to be a big challenge for them. The team I think that uh, Kings fans are, are probably most curious about um, is Team Europe. With uh, Andre Kopitar as the captain and Marion Gabrick on uh, on wing, they got they got kind of embarrassed. I felt in the first game, second game was a better showing um, against the Young Guns, Team North America. 
Uh, I've heard a lot of uh, explanations about how a lot of their players had to um, play in qualifying tournaments for the Olympics, and they don't have it. You know, it's sort of a motley team. They don't all have a lot of experience playing together. Do you think that they'll perform better now that the games are going to start having meaning? Uh, it's a that's a good question. They played really well uh, last night. They mm-hmm. they beat up on Team Sweden six two. So you know they they got things together then. Um, you know you know there's there's no what do you call it? There's no unity as far as like unifying force as far as they're not all playing for one country, you know, and basically, you know, they were, you know, they, they're looking to kind of, you know, be spoilers, I guess, look at it, you know, let's, let's try to beat, you know, let's team together and, and beat up on these other countries, beat these other countries that maybe don't think we have a chance. So, I mean, they have a pretty good team. It's all NHL players. And, and, um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they, how they come together. Cause even though this is like a short, this is a short tournament and, a lot of these guys have played together before, at least at some level, and some. But these other countries, those guys have played together at some level in some tournament. A lot of them, you know, look at you know Team Czech Republic. Those guys, they have like, they know what system to play because they played together for a while. This is a completely new team put together, like put together started last week. So it'd be interesting to see if they can develop some chemistry over over you know quickly in the, what's going to be a short tournament if they don't, don't do well in those first three games. Uh, in net for for Team Europe, I think probably the weakest um, group of goaltenders. Although certainly Halak has had uh, success in the past, is is Halak expected to, to be the one in net for most of the tournament? Yeah, they've they've named him as their number one, so he'll get the chance to go to the first game, and then I guess it's going to see how it goes things go from there. Um, you know, they have Thomas Grice, who you know, also plays in the Islanders with Halak, so he's another uh, pretty good. Uh, goaltender that you know actually you know with when Halak got hurt last year you know stepped up for the Islanders and helped that team reach the playoffs and get to the second round. So and then the, they had another injury in that. So now they have uh, Philip Grubauer who's the backup for the Capitals as their third goalie. But yeah, yes, yeah, so as you said, that's, they probably don't have the big names there that you have on some of the other teams. And uh, just as far as the mood goes for all the players from from any of the teams, is it closer to an All Star game or a playoff game? Um, I don't think it's it, it's closer to a playoff game. I would say, you know, I don't think they're viewing this as an All Star game. If you if you watch some of the some of the pre tournament games, then those didn't count. There was some there was some real intensity to mm-hmm. to the you know the Team Canada Team US games. That's the, the two <laughs> yeah. games between Russia and the Czech Republic. I saw they were they they got a pretty there was an edge to those too. So I think I think you're gonna you know and Finland and Sweden. So I think you're gonna see there's some natural rivalries there. So when you put the that you know national team sweater on, I think it it's hard to view it as just a you know to say oh it it, it, it this is just an all star competition. I think those guys take it very personally when they're playing for their countries and and you know so that, I think that's that's the thing that Team Europe and Team North America kind of have to overcome because you could say you have pride in that, but it's it's really just a guy you know it, it's not the same thing. Looking at the standings and it's only three games so far for each team, but it seems like a pretty evenly balanced. Tournament so far, uh, you've got four teams at two and one, uh, two teams at one and two. Russia's one zero oh, and two, and Sweden's one one and one. Um, it is a short tournament. It's going to be an intense tournament. But who do you see finishing uh, in first, second, and third? Well, uh, Canada is still the favorite. They mm-hmm. won the last two Olympics, so they, I mean they they seem to be the clear favorite. And despite what happened to Sweden in the game last night against Team Europe, I, I think they're the they're the second best team. They're the they're the team I think that has the best chance to to knock off Team Canada. Team Canada they have they have, they to me they have the best defense in 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 the tournament. 
some of the players I have there, and then and then you have and then they have Henrik Lundqvist in that, and then they have some pretty good depth. They've had some injuries, unfortunately for them, but they still have some pretty good depth of forward also. So I, I think to me that could, we could see a rematch of what happened in the gold medal game in uh, Sochi two years ago. Uh, but those those two teams seem to have the best depth. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> I I went ahead and said months ago that I thought Team North America would struggle um, to win a single game. Obviously, they've won two preliminary games, but I, I, those don't count as far as I'm concerned. Um, how well do you think Team North America will do? Um, that's, that's a good question. I mean, they have youth and speed, so I think they might give some of these teams some trouble. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game. I, I don't I don't think they're gonna they're gonna make it the next round, but. Uh, you know they have they have a lot of young talent and and it'll be interested to see you know that and they've got no pressure on them so maybe maybe that'll help them help them kind of emerge you know like there's some of these other teams they're playing for country that you know Canada you know, you know there's pressure on them to win this tournament here at home but not for North America they're kind of the loose young guys so we'll see what they do but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they won a game but I don't know if they're going to get get far in the tournament well no matter how it turns out I think we're all thrilled to have hockey back. Tom, I want to thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me on. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Gulitti NHL. That's G U I L I T T I. And uh, follow him on NHL.com. Thanks, Tom. Joining me now from Yahoo's Puck Daddy blog, Josh Cooper. How are you doing today, Josh? Uh, I, I'm. It's currently fall where I am, Jesse, because <laughs> I'm in Toronto. I'm not in a place where it's some variation of summer for the first time in a no, while. Are you pronouncing it properly? Did you say Toronto or did you say Toronto? Uh, it's isn't it pronounced Toronto? Toronto, yeah, no T. You just got to blur, blur it's, through it. It's not like Montreal, which Canadians seem to refer to as Montreal, like Munch. <laughs> So you went to uh, World Cup of Hockey Media Day. Did you learn anything interesting? It was really good. I thought the NHL did a tremendous job here, actually, with World Cup of Hockey Media Day because every player was available and there was almost too much information, which that's actually a, a really good thing because there are so many guys who we just hadn't talked to in a very long time. And because of that, we were able to get a bunch of news today. And it was really great between just various things that ended up on Puck Daddy that you can read or things that you will read soon. Now, uh, Team USA is named Jonathan Quick as their presumed starter for the bulk of the tournament. Obviously, his performance will decide that. But were the players talking about Jonathan Quick and the kind of uh, performance that he's delivered so far in the preliminary games? They haven't really done that too much, or at least they didn't do that today. I, I think it was a weird day, Jesse, in the sense that we had these conversations with players about the tournament, but there were also conversations about stuff that happened during the off season and where players are and players who are coming into the tournament without contracts. I, I think the one thing, though, with Jonathan Quick that you know with him is that he's a big-game goaltender. He's incredibly powerful. He goes post to post just so quickly, and I think that's something that Team USA is really looking forward to having, and I think that they love the fact that they have that experience and that big game experience in that for them. You know, it's funny, I, looking at the schedule and realizing just how short this tournament actually is, and then looking at the standings we have so far, Team USA is 2-1-0. and They're tied at the top of their uh, group, although it is a three-way tie. Um 
did people sound optimistic about this about the U.S.'s chances in this tournament? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to a fellow reporter tonight, and he he brought up something kind of funny to me. He said, "Team USA is totally going to try to goon its way through this tournament." And you look at some of the rhetoric from the Canadian side about how Team USA played in that first game against them when Ryan Kessler ran Shea Weber. You kind of look at the way these games played out, the type of guys that Team USA has in their roster, and I'm talking about Justin Abdelkader, who is on Team USA's roster. I think saying that gooning it up is a bit of a... It's a bit extreme, because these are very skilled players, but they certainly went for the types of players that are more physical, that play a heavier game. And I think there are certain teams that they're built to beat. Like, for example, I think Team USA has the type of game that can be really tough for Team North America. I think Team USA is the type of game that can be really tough for Team Sweden that plays kind of within, within bounds when Team USA can rough you up physically. I think the Canadians have the type of style that can really combat Team USA because they have that same type of grit factor but they can also score more than Team USA. And that's kind of how I look at this team. They may not be exactly a goon-type team, if you will, but they are a team that is definitely built to play a certain style. And I think that that's really exemplified by the fact that they took a player, again, like, for example, Justin Applicator on their team, who is a decent offensive player, but is definitely more of a physical type guy and kind of a bare knuckle type guy let's talk about team north america as far as styles they you know blew the doors off of team europe in the first five periods that they played against them but in that last period of the second game team europe managed to uh, figure them out and then they didn't have such a great showing in their third game uh you and i exchanged some text messages about, (laughs) about team north america and uh, I will censor the uh, <laughs> what I said, but the gist of it was I, I doubt that Team North America will be able to replicate their performance from Game 1 against what I called the quote-unquote real teams. Which Team North America do you think is the real Team North America? The, the one that blew the doors off of Europe or the one that lost to, uh, what was it, to Sweden in their third game? I don't know. I really don't. Because I think that one of the things with Team North America is that any given night, they can just completely skate you into the ground. But I think against the right type of team that I, plays a heavy game against them, they can beat you. And that's how I see this team moving forward. Yeah, it was Team Czech Republic. I, I got my Team Europe and Team North America confused. Europe beat Sweden, but uh, the Czech Republic beat Team North America. How excited did the, were the guys on Team North America? Do they do? Do they appear to be to be in the middle of this tournament? They seem pretty excited, and just talking to people around North, Team North America, I think the sense I get from them is they're really impressed with how polished these guys are and how adult they are, despite the fact that they are relatively young. And when you look at how they handle themselves, the fact that they truly do act and play like professionals it goes to show that this team even though they may not have the defensive leanings that i think you need to win a tournament like this they're certainly going to be a force to be reckoned with are they though (laughs) yeah i think so i'm still rooting against them i don't care Um, you're like the only one you're you're so you're so counterculture jesse why Uh, why 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 do you why do you hate my freedom well i sorted it out if you really want to hear it 
Um, uh. <laughs> the, here's the reason because I really did give myself I, I, I thought about it because I saw everybody I know and everybody that I respect oh no I feel I feel curmudgeon Jesse coming no, I, I feel I it coming on I don't Ugh. think I'm being curmudgeonly about this I well I probably am but anyway I'm going to give it a shot um, what I realized was when I was growing up uh, I loved the stories of the careers of the guys that I liked to follow so if it was you know Luke Robitaille or Wayne Gretzky. And every time an international tournament roll around, you could say, oh, look, he's had this many games, this many points. And it's the same thing with the All-Star game and with a career. You you enjoyed looking at the progress of their career and seeing how many points they had accrued through so many different stages. And when you start changing the format of All-Star games and of international tournaments and when you start making up these teams, it just creates a break in that narrative. So if you're uh, uh, now, obviously, maybe following sports will be different in the future now that we have the Internet and you can follow players more than teams. And maybe it's just a maybe I'm just old and out of touch. Who knows? But if you have a player like Jack Eichel or Connor McDavid now, instead of looking at their career and looking and saying, oh, look, he played for Team Canada in the 2016 you know, World Cup and won a gold. And that was his first of many gold medals with Team Canada. Now you have, oh, he played, you know, or if Eichel, it would be Team USA. You have uh, played for international competition, you know, up to the time they were 18. Then all of a sudden for this, you know, six-year period or, or five-year period, they play for the under-23 team. And then they go back to the international team. It's just a weird break. Um I don't know. And and the benefit of it is what? You know, if they win the tournament, then to me, it kind of proves that, well, the tournament's pointless then. If you can just put together a team of really talented 22-year-olds and they'll beat a, <laughs> an equally talented team of 30-year-olds, 30 well, now we have to actually rethink the entire point of an international tournament. And if they don't win, if they, you know, if they do fail to win a game the way I think and the way I've seen other people say, well, then why are they in the tournament at all? So it's all just, I don't know. Like I said, I'm rooting against them. But we don't have to talk about it anymore, Josh Cooper. Let's move on to Team Canada. Oh, um, your favorite team. My favorite team and the favored team, I think, to win this tournament on uh, home ice. Uh, how much fawning and adulation are they getting in Toronto? Not as much as you think, actually. I thought it would be all over the place, but really it's... I think the fawning and adulation is for the whole tournament in general. And I think that people are just excited to see meaningful international hockey. And I, and I think that kind of goes back to your point to some degree where I think everyone kind of looks at this tournament, at least here. There's no, I'm not getting a real sense of nationalistic pride from maybe from the players there is, but certainly not as much from the fans as there is as there has been for previous events. Mm -hmm. I think people are just more really, really excited to watch hockey at a high level at this stage of the season because it's something that we're really not used to. And to kind of go back to your point on Team North America, and I hate to bring it back to this, but <laughs> uh, I, I'm going to, is when you, when you look at Team North America, and I was super skeptical of that team, and then I watched the first exhibition game, and I was like, oh, my God, this is fun. And my entire mood changed. And for fans, I, I think that, I mean, look, at the end of the day, is this super meaningful hockey? No, I mean, it, it isn't. It's a made-up international competition that hasn't been done since 2004. 
but it's going to be really fun hockey to watch. And I think the sense here isn't so much, oh, you know, we're excited about Team Canada winning another international competition. I, and maybe that'll get built as the tournament goes on. I think it's more we're just excited to watch fun hockey. And I think that's where they're at right now. Well, I am very excited to watch fun hockey. Heck, I'm excited to watch any kind of hockey at all. Josh, I want to thank you for joining me as always. Anytime. Enjoy your time in Toronto, and uh, we'll talk to you when you get back. Thanks, Jesse. Joining me today from, amongst other things, today's Slapshot, we have uh, Sebastian Norin. How are you doing today, Sebastian? I'm doing well, Jesse. How are you? I'm excellent. You are a resident Swede in America, and so we turn to you for all things Sweden. Um, the World Cup is upon us, and I want to talk to you first about Henrik Lundqvist. Because as a Kings fan and as somebody who roots for Team Canada, I've had uh, plenty of opportunities to sort of revel in the King, <laughs> the King's sadness. Um, Henrik Lundqvist's nickname, obviously, the King. He lost uh, in the Stanley Cup Finals to the Kings in 2014. He lost in the Olympics to Canada. Um, he had a great sort of opening act to his career. And then ever since then, He's sort of been a, a regular season hero, but but never, you know, sort of won it all on the international stage or in the playoffs. What does Henrik Ludenquist have to prove, if anything, at this point? I don't really feel he has to prove anything. He was a big part of the the Olympic squad that won in 2006. So, yeah, I don't think he has anything to prove, really, more than he wants to get another, you know, big win under his belt, really, because I don't think he'll get it with the Rangers. That's for sure. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> uh, is this the kind of tournament, do you think, where a guy like Lundqvist can? I mean, it's a pretty short tournament, and then the uh, the you know the, the round-robin stage and then the medal stage is pretty short. Is this the kind of tournament a guy like Lundqvist can, I don't want to say he's going to win it single-handedly, obviously, but will a strong showing be enough to carry Sweden? Yeah, I think, I mean, any of the goalkeepers, if they get hot in this tournament, you know, they can carry their nation or in Team Europe's case, their continent <laughs> to, uh, to, you know, to a pretty far run here. So, yeah, if Lundqvist, you know, if he gets hot, then, yeah, that's a big, big bonus for Sweden. Because if you look behind him, you know, Jakob Markstrom, you know, still pretty unproven. And then Jonas Enroth, who we saw as the backup with the Kings last season, you know, he's he's a decent goalkeeper, but he's not he's not a number one guy. So if, if I mean, obviously we don't want anything to happen to anybody in the tournament, but if for some reason Lundqvist is unable to perform at the top of his game, you don't feel like Enroth or Markstrom are, are, are strong enough in a talented tournament like this to, to carry the way all the way through? No, not really. In that case, the, you know, the defensive core with Eric Carlson and Oliver ekman Larson really needs to step up even more. Uh, if Lundqvist goes down, so does Sweden's chances, that's for sure. Now, some people have said that the Sweden defense corps is the best in the tournament. Um, that is correct. <laughs> that's correct that people are saying it, or that's yeah. correct that it's the strongest defense corps? <laughs> it's the strongest defense corps. I mean, if Can if Canada, you know, they lost out on Keith, uh, they still didn't pick PK for some reason. So, you know, yeah, I, I do see Sweden as having the strongest D corps. Now, with the uh, caveat that I'm Swedish. So. Yeah, <laughs> but you have also, I know, rooted for the Kings in the past. So uh, where were your allegiances in the great Doughty versus Carlson debates? I, I mean, I really like Doughty, but looking at what Carlson did, I mean, just his numbers, mm -hmm. 
you know, it, it seemed like a foregone conclusion almost that Dowdy would get it. Like you saw so much talk from so many permanent media members that it was not a shocker that he got it. And I think if you're looking at who's the better overall defender, then yeah, Dowdy is better. But if you're just looking at the elite numbers that Carlson is putting up, then it should have gone to Carlson. I'm just going to edit all that out and just <laughs> and just have you – I'm just going to have the part where you said, yeah, Dowdy's better. And then everything else no, – I mean, else he, <laughs> he, he is the better overall defenseman. And I almost wish that was the case with the Norris Trophy because it's gone from being that to more, okay, which defenseman is putting up the most points. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't feel it's wrong to give it to Dowdy. So if Dowdy finishes this tournament with more points, is he uh, better than Carlson once and for all? Is that <laughs> is that the end of the debate? <laughs> I don't know if we need to take it on this, uh, this uh, tournament. No, but I mean, like, even if you're looking at it, you know, a guy like Oliver ekman Larson, who's been putting up a lot of goals for Arizona, you know, a team that desperately needs it, you know, so you're just looking at the talent that they have. And then Victor Hedman, who's been phenomenal for Tampa now a couple of seasons, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, the defensive court, I mean, I'm not going to argue it. I think it is the strongest one in the tournament. Let's take a look at the forwards real quick. Um, obviously, everybody knows the Sedins, and they're in a somewhat similar position as Lundqvist, reaching you know the later stages of their career. You've got guys like Louis Erickson, uh, sorry, Erickson that people might have heard of. Um, who's a player that maybe North American fans aren't as familiar with that you think is uh, poised to have a good tournament? Well, do people know about Philip Forsberg yet? Sure. So. You know, I hope <laughs> yeah. so. No, but I mean, it, it's, it's kind of difficult to really pick out guys in a tournament like this when it's, you know, the creme de la creme of players. But someone who's not a household name is probably called Soderberg, uh, mm-hmm. Colorado center, uh, was with Boston before that. Came in very late to the NHL. I think he was 27, 28, um, something like that when he came over after having a number of good years back home in Sweden. So... I don't know if he's poised to have sort of a breakout thing here because I think it's going to be the the line with the Sedins and Louis Erickson and then the top line with Backstrom, Forsberg, and Hornquist. Those are the six players that are going to have to carry this team offensively. Soderberg is one of those guys who no matter how many times – he's only been in Colorado for a year, but no matter how many times I see that he's not on the Bruins anymore, I still just think of him as a, a Bruin. I, I can't wrap my head around it. I'm not sure why. Um but uh, we want to thank you for joining us, Sebastian, and we wish you and the entire nation of Sweden the best of luck uh, in losing to Canada uh, <laughs> eventually. <laughs> hey, if we make it to the final, I think we should see it as being a pretty good tournament. Uh, I, you know what? Honestly, in a tournament this strong, I think that's probably true of most of most teams. Uh, Especially you... after that shocking showing to, to, uh, to Europe as well. Oof. Yeah, well, I think... That was rough. I think Team Europe's a lot better than people give him credit for. But uh, we have three games to find out. So uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Seb Norin, S-E-B-N-O-R-E-N. Follow him at uh, Today's Slapshot. Thanks again, Sebastian. We'll talk to you as the season progresses. Thank you. Joining me now all the way from Helsinki, Finland, Krister Kasurin. And how are you doing today, Krister? 
Very nice, thank you. It's early morning here in Helsinki, but <laughs> woken up and gotten some coffee already, so why not? Let's talk about a bit about World Cup. Yeah, well, you are our man in Finland, and so anytime uh, there's an occasion to talk about Team Finland, we, we look to you. So one of the things I want to focus on, uh, let's talk about the goaltending before we get into the rest of the uh, the roster. We have two guys I think most people will be familiar with, Tuka Rask and Pekka Rinne. Um But a, a third goalie, Miko Koskinen, what can you tell us about him, and will he play in this tournament? Mm, uh, basically, the thing pretty much revolves around if if Tuukka Rask and Pekkarinne will be able to play their A game. Uh, Mikko Koskinen is this sort of a odd man out, kind of a black horse uh, guy. He plays in uh, Ska St. Petersburg, and he's, as mentioned in many, many magazines also, he's very well known for his really big size. So basically, I'd say that if Rask or Rinne play below par or get injured i think he's the he's the guy in after that and he's uh he's roughly the same age as tukarask i think but this team has a lot of a lot of youth on it i was looking over the roster um if there were a uh, an under 23 team made up of players from europe um i i think half of the roster would probably be from team finland especially on the blue line um what can you talk about the youth of this team well, uh, as I said earlier in an interview with uh, Michael Granlund, the forward, is that the new generation of Finnish hockey players with the new kind of ways of training them more individually than to be team players. And I'd say that it's a really, really decent roster, although I'm a bit afraid that the defensemen, especially now in discussion, are a bit still underage to play against like hardened NHL veterans. But... All in all, but I would say, like, going into the tournament with Jokipakka, Lepistö, Lindelmättä, Pokkaristolainen, Vatane, they're well-known. All of them are well-known here in Finland, but I think that pretty many of them are also well-known there in the NHL already. Yeah, well, you've got uh, Oli Mata is probably the, the most well-known of the young guys, you know, being a Stanley Cup champion now. But you have four guys born in 94, um, Vatanen and Jokipakka born in 91. That's that's a lot of youth on the blue line, and Lapisto, uh, an '84. Um, that's I mean he's not a, a. That's just a ton of youth, and then up front it it's even it's even more pronounced with uh, with last year's uh, Sebastian Ajo, and then this year's was second overall draft pick Patrick Lane. What can you tell us about these young guys? Uh, Sebastian Ajo will be a really interesting pairing for Teuvo Teravan, actually. They're both playing in uh, Carolina this upcoming season. And I'd say that uh, he's not the biggest of guys, but he's like how he sees the game and how he always like gets the second wave, for example, defensemen coming in. He like he specializes in giving out these really fast passes. He skates really hard to the net, and then he drops a pass to the defenseman. I've seen, let's say, 50 goals scored like that. But a really good, really good all-around playmaker. And, of course, Patrick Laine, I don't know. I've actually gotten a bit, like, bored of him already because the thing <laughs> is that the media wasn't talking about anything else. Uh, negative sides, he actually helped our rival Tappara win the Finnish Assam Liga championship last uh, or this uh, this spring, but all in all, I'd say that the best shot to come out of Finland after Teemu Selänne. So, uh, obviously, guys like Conor McDavid, Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews, you know, everybody's looking for them to have these big tournaments. How important is it, do you think, for Patrick Lane's uh, career for him to do well in this tournament? 
Well, this tournament, I think it's pretty much more for him because he doesn't have like NHL experience still. I'd say that, of course, it helps, but I think that Winnipeg already, what I've like read from their like local media is that they are already like waiting him really, really eagerly. Because there is always this, like, Teemu Selänen played in Winnipeg. Now they're, like, seeing, seeing him <laughs> right. as the next guy. And so, yeah, yeah it, it of course, helps on the big stage that if he gets, like, really good success. But all in all, I'd say that he's already in the NHL lineup, even without the World Cup. Yeah, it's six foot five, 206 pounds. Um, built a little bit differently than Teemu Selänen, I would, I would reckon. But, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it should be interesting. Now, there's three players, uh, Miko Koivu, Eric Hala, and... Michael Granlund, all playing uh, for the Minnesota Wild uh, in the NHL. So that'll give them some familiarity. But Finland's sort of known for playing a real specific system and going through a real specific program. And it's served them well. Finland always seems to to meddle, even when they're maybe not favored. What is it about uh, the national program, and do you think it will continue in this tournament? Yeah, it will. And the thing is that, as I right. <laughs> mentioned it earlier, is that the idea about behind this is that we have these like cliques of player playing together in the NHL, playing on the like the world stage always together. So we, what we have here like is Alexander Barkov, Jussi Jokinen, they play in the same line in Florida. Mm-hmm. We have like if we pick up like Tevo Teravan and Sebastian Aho, they will be playing with Carolina with each other. And as you mentioned, like Haula Granlund Koivu are playing in the NHL. And these are the guys that always play the hard matches, like Olympics, uh, some come even for the World Championships and now for World Cup. So it's, it's, it's basically like they know how to play with each other and they uh, drop their uh, sort of a individual greed a bit to play as a team. And this is the kind of a uh, big thing for the Finnish play system. And also, if I still can mention about Lauri Marjamäki, so he's our new head coach for mm-hmm. Team Finland. This is his first tournament coming into his, like, is it two or three year contract? But uh, he's a really good guy with, like, young players. And as you mentioned, there's pretty many of them in the team. So I'd expect a really, really good tournament from Team Finland. Well, one of my disappointments uh, in the tournament being as short as it is is that I won't have many opportunities to watch Tim Finland because, uh, as I have pointed out on Twitter and you and I have spoken about already personally, I really enjoy Team Finland. Um, I, I like watching them play, and uh, I think they're always a ton of fun and always a good bet. Every time I I do like a fantasy, you know, prediction for um, international tournaments, I always pick Finland to finish third, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> just because. Uh, I'm pretty confident that they'll that they'll at least do that. So, uh, best of luck to you, Krister, in the uh, in the World Cup, and yeah. uh, you can follow him on Twitter at c uh, c That's c k a s u r i n e n for all your Finnish hockey news. Uh, thanks for joining us. As always, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Go Finland. <laughs>